Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The wait is finally over, and sport is back on Now TV. It's lights out and away we go! Where you can watch Sky Sports, Premier Sports, and BT Sport together and all without a contract. What a fantastic part! So whether there's a day, week, or whole month of action you just can't miss, you can now stream the lot. Oh, it's a fabulous goal! This is your sport on your terms. Search Now TV Sports to find out more. 18 plus content streamed via internet. Full terms apply. Season's greeting, slackers. I hope your jumpers are festive and stained with brandy butter and your dimples are full of gravy. This is the Slacker Podcast with myself, Phil Taggart. Thank you so much uh, to you all for listening to it, downloading it, streaming it, putting it into a catapult and firing it off across the canyon. Um, it's the end of 2018. You're probably like, what? I thought it was March. Um, and we've been doing these now for a couple of weeks, up to a couple of months, and we're almost at the end of Series 1, um, at the end of our series of 16 episodes. Um, so I appreciate each and every single one of you for listening to this podcast, for reviewing it on um, the Apple Podcast platform, um, for just writing anything about it or sharing it with a friend. That's amazing. It's the first time I've done anything really outside of normal radio, so it's been kind of a... I don't know what it's it's kind of been a bit of an eye opener for me um to sit down and do just like you know full 60 minute chats with people and getting to hear their early demos as well. So it's been it's been a real blast and I've decided right okay I've enjoyed season 1 enough um that I'm going to do season 2 and I've already recorded the first episode of it. It is done and dusted and as soon as I get into January I'm going to go flat to it. I'm going to do all of them and try and hopefully get season 2 out. Um, around March but listen I've got a lot of guests booked up already um, but I still need some I'd still need some good ideas on, on who we should get on for season two basically you can help me out with this right you can if you can think of somebody who has a musical history 
somebody who we can dig out an old demo of, talk about it, um, who's quite interesting. Uh, and some it's mainly it's been people in bands and solo artists so far, but I'm totally open to the idea of actors, comedians, podcasters, whoever, who have dipped their toe in music um, at some point. I just want to keep it interesting, you know? So if you've got any suggestions, um, add me on Twitter or Instagram, at Philly Taggart. There's only one L in Philly, P-H-I-L-Y-T-A-G-G-A-R-T. Um, and message me or DM me on Instagram. And hey, you'll win a pen if I get your guest on. Please note, you will not win a pen. Also, this week that has just gone past, I've been mentioning the book that I've been writing in um, a couple of other podcasts. And I finally finished it. 26 months of work. And we are finally there. 86,000 words. 199 pages on Google Docs. And it is finally over the line. I'm so delighted because I've done 70 interviews. I had to transcribe them all. There was a lot of writing. There was a lot of figuring shit out as well. I've never written a book before. So, you know, this isn't uh, the easiest way. I described it to somebody recently as trying to write an album after buying a guitar the week beforehand and then getting into the studio. (laughs) Very much figuring it out as I went along. But I have an amazing editor in Stephen Rainey, an amazing proofreader in um, Dara McDonald. So, yeah, really lucky. Uh, It's called The Slacker's Guide to the Music Industry and it is 20 chapters from everything from your first gig to getting a booking agent to publishing to mental health to how to make money to oh god there's so much different stuff in there like online pr image all the rest of it and i've done the interviews with 70 people so like well 70 different artists and industry professionals so you know people who are like the best in touring or the best labels or the best managers and then like bands like biffy clyro and blossoms and two-door cinema club and Run the Jewels and Charlie XEX and God knows, uh, this goes on and on and on, Lyle Carner, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, I have some, some incredible people on there. So all I have to do now, the start of January, is go get a little bit of funding for the book. Talk to some people, see if I can get somebody to, to put it out for me. Because I, I got offered like some publishers and listen, if you're going to put a book out, be prepared. Because if you think record labels are bad for royalty rates, publishers, man, oh my God. I'm not even going to like tell you, but like they make record, like major record levels look like charities. It was insane. So no chance. I'm totally going to do it DIY. I think it's the best way to do it. So the way we pay for studio time and uh, all the rest of it here on the, the Slacker podcast is by having a sponsor. And this week's sponsor is Harry's Razors. I got sent some in the post about a month ago um and i used it instead of my normal one and i absolutely loved it it didn't sting at all after and then i realized you know what it's probably not normal for my face to sting after a bit of shaving which it was doing with my old razor and then i used the harry's razor and i was like do you know what this feels like it should feel do you know what i mean so i don't think i'm gonna go back to it and then like after i used it i decided that i was gonna grow a beard for three weeks because i was finishing the book that i was just talking about and I kind of thought, you know what, if I'm writing a book at no process over these 26 months if I had a beard, I don't know, I didn't feel like I was being pretentious enough to be an author. <laughs> so I thought, right, you know what, I'm going to grow a beard. And then 
after the three weeks, which I, what I would normally do is go to like a, I mean, I did it once before when I had a beard. I went to a Turkish barber's for a tight shave, but instead I used the Harry's razor and it cut through the beard like butter. It just felt really good. So if you want to get started shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95, um, support our podcast and get your trial set delivered to you, including a razor handle, um, five blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and travel blade. Go to harrys.com forward slash slacker18 right now and check it out. That's harrys.com forward slash slacker18 and you can get yourself some blades and all the rest for £3.95. This week on the podcast, we have the most exciting young producer the UK has produced in the last five to ten years. He's a 22-year-old called Alex Crossan from the island of Guernsey or maybe better known as his stage name and production name, which is Muramasa. Uh, He's a very, very, very unique producer with a very distinctive production style. Um, If you haven't listened to his music before, the best place to start, I would say, would be with his EP, which is called Someday Somewhere, which is when I really got into his music. And uh, yeah, I just started playing it on the radio. Um, Loads and loads and loads. He is a brilliant collaborator as well, both with upcoming artists and also established artists as well everybody wants a Muramasa beat at the moment and it's kind of testament to how good he is on his debut album he had ASAP Rocky Charlie XCX Damon Albarn Christine and the Queens I mean that's the roll call of dreams right there he's a very smart dude and I really enjoyed recording this podcast with him uh, way back at the start of the year this week's Slacker podcast is with Muramasa in three two one go Muramasa, Alex Crossan, hello. Yo. What's going on? Uh, Not much, very early. I think this is the earliest I've been up in months. This is the earliest I think I've recorded anything. Whatever. I'm a nighttime DJ. (laughs) My my brain doesn't get started for a long, long time. Like, if you're listening to this and you do a normal 9 to 5, then you're probably going, you guys are pussies. Yeah. It is like half nine <laughs> i'm sorry yeah i'm not a functioning <laughs> part of society normally so take me through this track that we're just about to play so it's uh um i guess this is just after i started making music under the name muramasa um and it's kind of i don't even know how to describe it it's sort of like got garage vibes but also like early mj cole or something um, there's a lot of bass and some rain and some emotional R&B vocals, <laughs> which was very much my my jam back then. Yeah, so, well, yeah. Let's, let's hear it. You, you intro it. You're better at it than me. Okay, so this is one of the first tracks I ever made, and it's called You and Me. Thank you. 
I really like this. Old school. This came out in what, 2011? Four years ago. So not 2014. That seems like way too recent. you for the first time on a radio that was like the end of 2014 start 2015 yeah I mean the whole thing happened very quickly <laughs> you're right <laughs> was Miramasa, you and me, and we were trying to figure out when that track was recorded, but we couldn't. Yeah, I think it was... some Sometime in the last hundred years. Yeah, I mean, this we know for certain. Yeah, yeah. At least in the last century. No, I think 2014, maybe like early 2014. Before you came down, I was like listening to it, and I I, I definitely got that ASAP Rocky feel to it, and um, I typed in ASAP Rocky fashion killer, and it's like, no, wrong one. No, it's Peso. It's peso. The, the sample is a uh, SOS band. I quite like the the vocal too as well. It's kind of like almost like a happy hardcore vocal, isn't it? Like yeah, yeah. Sort of like really high pitched. Yeah, like chipmunk sped up. You can see how from the genesis of that track, you, your music evolved because it's got so many different sonic pointers to it. Mm. And you can see how it's like almost got better like uh, oh, yeah, definitely. over time but I really like that like if, if I heard that today I didn't know it was you I'd probably stick it on the radio yeah I'm not ashamed of it surprisingly because a lot of these things you know you listen back to your old stuff and you're just like oh what was I, I what was I thinking or like yeah um, but no that, you didn't I, try and do the, the old internet sweep no. Uh, once things started going quite well you were like okay right I've got to delete everything yeah but like the point of the internet sweep is I can sit here and go no I never did that but actually <laughs> it did happen no there's there's loads of I think there's older stuff than that online but that's that remains the first track on my SoundCloud I think we were going to try and get the first thing that you ever did but like uh, you've apparently you've been through too many laptops yeah I'm a fiend for um, what just do you mean? Like, how do you go? To, you hear about people going through laptops? Like, is yeah. that like go? You get so angry or so happy or elated with the track that you smash the I laptop, just punch it. And yeah, it. you're just like, yeah, <laughs> love that chorus, boom. Or you're just like one of these guys that forgets it on the bus. No, not that at all. Like, I'm religiously careful with my laptops, but what I do do is fill them with tiny samples and like the more small files you have on a laptop it's like clogs up the hard drive they get so slow that they're just unusable and then i spill water on it or something and i'm just <laughs> like well at this point might as well get a new one there's no like great lost album or anything i remember when eminem lost a notepad full of lyrics it was, it was like 
mm. back page news on all the music press for a long time. Like, there's no like great lost Muramasa record out there, is there? Is that like the holy grail of rap music? Eminem's lost notepad. His, his last lost notepad. Is it? I'm sure it's somewhere. I reckon he's just lost it down the back of the bed or something. <laughs> <laughs> and now there's too much of a thing around it, so yeah, he can't I be just like. I reckon oh. he didn't. He didn't have the album in him at the time, and he was just like, "Yep, yeah, oh, maybe forgot me homework. Oh, I lost it. Yeah, dog eat, dog eat my beats. That's basically what I did last year. <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? <laughs> I just kept the album deadline kept rolling around, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't have the music. I don't have the laptop. Uh, it's not finished." Like, yeah. <laughs> What's the best excuse that you give? Um, to, to sort of push that, push the record back. It's weird though, because as a young person, and like obviously my manager's a bit of an older, older bloke, and like there's a there's a teacher-student relationship where I'm like apologising to him for, uh, you know, not having done something or like yeah. turning up somewhere late or like something like that. I'm I feel beholden to him because he's a bit older than me. But really, the only person I'm letting down is myself. <laughs> Because I'm sort of self-employed, yeah, it's hard to remember that sometimes. <laughs> but that's the—that's the same line that your mum would give you when you when she would come back from school. Like you, you'd get a really bad report, or you know, parent-teacher meeting wouldn't go too well. Your mother would come back, or your father would come back and go, "Like the only person that should be disappointed here is you," <laughs> and that's almost worse because you've got their shame and guilt. Yeah, but then they're trying to internalize it on yourself as well. Well, it's worked. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> were, you, were you like a were you a kid that got got sort of bad uh, reports and stuff in school, or were you like a SWAT? Were you like up on your A stars? And um, I meandered from the from one plane to the other. Like when I started school, I was is this is this a swearing podcast? Yeah, sure. I was a shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was a, a a proper like just troublemaker like. Um, but I kind of got reformed. I had a lot of really good teachers, luckily. And yeah, my parents. I think I was quite similar. And I, I think it, it all changed around at about AS level time, which is about fifth, sixth year. Oh, yeah. Um, it could have gone one of two ways. You were either going to be <laughs> the sort of fire starter kid or the mm. smart ass that was just going to do nothing. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but, then, but then, like, the rest of your life just comes up on the horizon and you're like. Uh, probably knuckle down a bit like, yeah exactly it doesn't matter that much if i mess around now i was working some shitty jobs around that time just for like pocket money and i was yeah. like i don't want to be doing this the rest of my life me too i was pushing trolleys at waitrose yeah same here i was a as the trolley guy for, you're a trolley boy yeah trolley boy and a till till guy as well yeah well they hired me to do tills and they like gave me the training and stuff and then every week i would come into work and they'd just be like yeah, no one's doing trolleys. See, that's so. a demotion right there. Yeah, they I didn't think that you had the personality to be able to like put up with Sandra, who was I know. Like, uh, whinging about the area liquid tabs being <sighs> double price. I was great at that stuff, but they relegated me to outdoors, so I quit. <laughs> the good thing about the push pushing trolleys job is that you can listen to music while you do it. And yeah, but nobody will give you any shit. I was stopped on several occasions, and my phone was taken from me or my headphones or whatever like yeah they were they were very harsh harsh at waitrose <laughs> um so yours was waitrose that was that's the like that's the posh one as well yeah where i'm from there's not really there's no aldi or i think there's a morrison's there now and an iceland how many how many supermarkets are there on uh guernsey the, the island that you come from um how many supermarkets? <laughs> I don't know. It's the question I've been dying to ask. I know. This is why people tune in. <laughs> the hard-hitting statistics. What was it what was it like growing up in um in Guernsey as a kid? Like was it did you have like other people 
making music to inspire you and you know just different cultures like did, did you go skating with people or was it sort of mm. more insular it was like it's like any sort of country town in england i guess where there's sort of like there's trickle down from like underground cultures like yeah like you say there's a bit of a skate scene in guernsey but it's kind of like it's like secondhand information so like you know you're only getting half the facts if you're just focusing on the local scene yeah yeah it's kind of like they're interpreting what's happening in the in the mainstream so like some, one person's on one of those like wwe smackdown boards yeah exactly somebody else is on like one of those like hill bombing yeah. boards and nobody's actually riding the sweet setup and then one day somebody buys like a thrasher mag or something and says like oh look uh everyone's using these trucks now and suddenly everyone has them and like it's such a small <laughs> community and it was the same kind of with music like there was only a few sort of things that sort of made it over to guernsey and most of it was like metal well, most of the people my age were making metal music or like rock music um, or folk, and, yeah. and that was kind of it. Like nobody, nobody like, around me was making electronic music. Electronic music and club culture and all of that doesn't necessarily spread that far out to non sort of city or urban based areas. Like, yeah, like, well, like where I come from, it was all rock music and all metal music and. It's, I think it's because... There was a big trance scene as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, well, that's interesting. Like Northern Ireland had a very big uh, trance scene back back in like the 90s and the raves. early 2000s, but that wasn't my jam at that time. I mean, where I'm from, there's no clubs, so it makes perfect sense why there wouldn't be... <laughs> you know, there's like one club. I think there's a bit of a like emerging drum and bass scene in Guernsey now. Yeah. Like, as there always seems to be in like country towns. So for some reason, it's always drum and bass or like some genre of music that most sort of mainstream people have forgotten about. Yeah, yeah. It sort of finds life in a weird country town. But then it's born out of it and it starts again. Yeah, and then it, the whole cycle <laughs> it is, it's continues. Like, it's like the musical primordial soup. Like yeah. in Lord of the Rings when the orcs are born. You really see it all. <laughs> um, so like the, the, the journey into the, the music industry is something I wanted to talk about as well because oh, like you, you, you kind of have it in your blood really, don't you? Like your, your mother was a manager yeah was a manager in the in the music industry and she's not still a manager she's not still a manager <laughs> no did the, the music industry crush her she's just like right no she managed a band i think in the 80s in america for like a few months a I few think. months and it's, then just dished out of it it can't be uh what was the band called overstated they were called cousins from venus and i recently she got me a cousins from venus vinyl so i have like the the vinyl yeah, I think they were like a sort of new wave, sort of synth rock, sort of 80s, that era. Um, and she managed them for a while. I'm not sure how long. But that was her only That was her only job in the music industry. Yeah, oh, right. It was only only one in fleeting. <laughs> yeah, she's a nurse. That's that's what she does by by trade. You, you, like she, There was never a point where your music was taken off and the, the mum was like, I know who could manage you. <laughs> no, it wasn't quite that deep. But what she did say was, because uh, also on the other side, my dad was in uh, a lot of sort of rock bands in the 80s in Glasgow. Now, the 80s in, in, in Glasgow was a really decent scene. Like there was yeah. a, lot, a lot of great bands coming out of there Glasgow was, in the 80s. There was a big rock scene and like... Great indie pop scene as well. Yeah, yeah. The band was called Flying Squad and uh, their album was produced by... Francis Rossi, the dude from Status Quo. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, and they basically got fucked over by their manager and oh, had God. a terrible old time of it. So that's what my mum did say when it came to all this. She was like, remember what happened to your dad? Like, <laughs> he got screwed. Wow, like that... that because like a lot of people don't have that sort of insight and have to kind of find it out themselves. Did that did that mean that when you did come to start working with management and labels and other people that you were maybe a little bit more guarded than most people would be at that stage? Yeah, or not even guarded in a sort of paranoid way, but just sort of, I think when a lot of people start, because quite often what happens is like maybe a track starts getting some traction or like a project gets picked up or you get a radio play or something and then somebody will come sniffing around like, hey, you managed, What's like up, whatever. Dude? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people at that point just go, yeah, I'm not doing anything. Like, <laughs> yeah, what do you, exactly. you want to do? Like, Where's yeah. the dotted line? What, 10 albums, 25 pounds, man? I'm in. <laughs> yeah. And that's what happened like all the way from the 50s through like to the 90s. Yeah. Just people, you know, there's people who've sold 20 million albums who are going on chat shows now and saying like, they've oh got, yeah they've got nothing i'm broke yeah. like i'm only making money now because i'm touring like, isn't that you know? sickening i mean yeah i think the, the the only difference why people now don't go through that as much is because everybody knows that they have to get legal representation before they actually yeah start signing deals <laughs> like the it's really weird a young artist came up to me in belfast recently and they were like what's i'm trying to get a manager or i'm trying to get a record label what, what should i do Get a lawyer. And I was just like, <laughs> lawyer up. you should go find a really good lawyer because they'll be able to like put, give your music to managers and mm-hmm. people with authority instead of you just going in cold. Yeah. That was such a corporate answer, though. I kind of felt a bit sad afterwards. So I was just like, yeah, but how do the, I get famous? Get a lawyer. <laughs> it sounds sad, but it's like... It's really necessary. It's good now that people know that and that people have sort of got their heads screwed on as far as... Yeah, the deals that they're doing. There's not really many 360 deals now. You know, it's more people are setting up imprints and like, you know, they're owning the rights to their own music and like stuff like that. So I think it's a good thing to be a bit boring Yeah, sometimes. I, you definitely you need to do that. Like I, I set up my label because I wanted a fair deal for, mm. for artists. So like I think if you sign to a major label and you're uh, an artist, normally the split that you get is like, industry standard but this changes from what deal to deal is like 80 20 in favor mm. of the record label it's like that doesn't really seem fair to yeah. me like so michael jackson had 19 percent, and at the time that was he, like outrageous really yeah he had the highest uh royalty of any artist in the world and he was michael jackson and he was still only getting less than 20 percent. <laughs> and that and that built neverland <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. can you imagine like who <laughs> exactly. the, the what guys? What would he do yeah. hundred <laughs> percent? Well, this is what happened to Prince, you know, like, and he built Paisley Park, and you know, he bought back all his rights and stuff. When when are we going to get the mirror master? A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Theme park then? 2031. All right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was important for you to like set up a set up a label as well. I want to actually get to the label, but I'm going to I'm gonna like journey down the line to it. Uh, I want to get back to... Um, Majestic Casual and the, sort uh, of yeah. the, the, the first break you got off your music. It's interesting because, like, at that point, it was a much more sort of now when I sit down to make music, there's people watching me. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. what's he going to do next? Or, like, um, I feel much more obliged in a good way, like, to say something with the music or, like, you know, try and push an envelope or, you know, challenge people a little bit but back then it was more about like literally one of my goals at one point was how do I get onto Majestic Casual like what kind of music should I be making to get onto a platform like that because I like what they were uploading and I was like I want to be like that but that's just a modern interpolation of somebody listening to a bunch of metalheads records in the 90s and being like how do i sign to metalheads you know like yeah, how do i yeah, it's exactly the same how do i get on xl you know like that sort of thing um but in a very internet way and yeah majestic casual is very important for me and for a lot of producers i think just because it kind of created a little hang for people who yeah. who liked that kind of it's music it's still one, one of the biggest youtube channels well, for discovering music. It's interesting now because it's so big now that they can no longer sort of upload whatever they want. So now it's like a much more contained feed of stuff that they have permission for and like um is that is that you do like artists giving rights across and yeah. and, and things like that because I always wondered if if you've got like a, a track, right? And if you put the track up on your your own like YouTube page or Vivo page or whatever and it would only if you start, it'd probably get a couple of thousand plays, and that's it. Mm. But you've got an inbuilt audience with Majestic Casual already, but they're putting it up on theirs. But there's obviously YouTube's monetized as well. So yeah. does that mean that if you put it up on them, it's like one, you're giving me the exposure, but you can take all you of get the, all the money. You get all the money. That is it. It's basically an extrapolated version of what we're talking about with the major label, where really they're the ones making the money off it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's those sorts of trades and sort of like decisions that you have to make early on as long as you're aware of what's happening like i knew that majestic were making money off uploading my music but at that point you were just like i want the exposure yeah it's like it's more important to me at the moment that i get an audience than you know making a couple of quid a week off some youtube views like it's not really that deep at this point i mean i think most artists if they're listening to this that are starting out probably do need to realize that like if you're going to start making music you're not going to see any money for a long time yeah that's that's so important to know that because like people start they decide they're going to be a musician and then they quit their job and they're sat at home and then when somebody says like can you do can you do this thing for me or like can you help me they're like yeah but 
I need the money up front, you know, like I'm struggling <laughs> for rent, like yeah, da, yeah. da 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 It's just like, just sort out your situation first, then just do stuff as it comes mm-hmm. and then, you know, worry about the money later. Like, Yeah, exactly. You need to be in it for the music, really, at the start. It sounds very, hey man, you need to be in it for the music, but it's a t- it's actually a tougher world yeah. than most people would think. People aren't going to want to work with you if you're just like, you know, trying to grab from the very beginning. Yeah, exactly. It's Although, like, I, I kind of feel like hip hop and grime's kind of like that a little bit more than than anything else. Yeah. I'm not. I'm, not, I'm using a massive tar, a massive brush to tar those genres with, <laughs> but because like I've worked with grime artists before, and some have just come in and gone. Do you know what? Whatever you need, let's do it. It'll be fun. Yeah. And then on the flip side, you've had other people coming in and going. So we're doing this. Uh, we're doing first. this show in like a two hundred cap venue in East London, and I'm putting it on myself. And they're like going, "We need twenty grand," and I'm like, "Yeah." Uh, That's what I mean. It's uh, just like <laughs> if we sold it out twenty times, I don't think I would even still be able to pay you that. Like, <laughs> I want to talk about internet beats. I don't know what that means, and it's it's something that's thrown around to you you quite a quite a lot. Miramasa, the oh, I see, head yeah. honcho of internet beats. Oh, I don't know about that. I was, I've like I read it. I've seen it in a couple of like. I'm not saying that you said it. But people <laughs> are saying it. And, are you? I'm and, sure I used to say it a lot. And lavishing it at you. you Got to have a USP. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. But I don't understand what it means. I, I like it's their beats that are on the internet. Yeah, it, it doesn't really mean really anything. Simple as that. It means I was good at marketing myself early on to r- the real world because, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I think. At the time when I was coming up, there was still like a real divide between music that was listened to and kind of took place on the internet and records. So I think when I was saying those sorts of things or like, you know, championing SoundCloud or any of that, I was just sort of trying to communicate to real world listeners or like even the music industry that there is a scene here and there's like people here who are willing to listen to the music and like invest music is music isn't it it doesn't really like, matter does it if it's on the internet yeah. or if it's also, on, on a floppy disk <laughs> all music is on the internet now like yeah, yeah. back back when I started it was like there's records and then there's like beats like there's SoundCloud rappers and there's rappers you know yeah, like yeah. Um, but now it's like it doesn't it's really all matter. one thing you make such a different range of music. Like I, I, I kind of like we've I, I, we've talked about this before on on radio, and like I think we've talked about various different genres on Twitter and stuff. I remember mm. like chatting to you about jungle music a couple couple of years ago. Yeah, <laughs> you seem to have your like uh, toe dipped in so many different sounds. Is it, it mm. is it something that you like? One day I'm going to listen to dancehall. The next is going to be jungle. The next is going to be I don't know punk rock or, yeah. or whatever. Like how how do you have such uh, mad capability of genres at such an early age because, like, you know, a lot of people would take years to sort of get these sounds right. Yeah. I said something to my girlfriend the other night. We were, like, having quite a deep chat. And I said, I can't think of a worse, like, curse as a human being than to not be interested. Like, that's the worst thing you can have as a human being is to be disinterested or, like, you know apathetic so i think a lot of like the being interested in a lot of different things just comes from like curiosity if you don't have that i think you're gonna struggle to have that sort of breadth if you're not just genuinely interested like what the hell is bogan rock like you know like if that doesn't perk your ears up and you don't want to check it out then you know 
I don't know what to tell you. Like, yeah, you maybe you're be, just not going to... You might be in the wrong job. Thank you so much for reaching the halfway point. It is time to take a knee. Let's have a wee rest for a wee second. If you're fresh to the podcast or just brand new to it, a lovely rate and review of it would be amazing on whatever platform it is you're listening to. I mean, if you're on Apple Podcasts, write a review. That would be lovely. Um, I'm taking Slacker on tour. Slacker started off as a club night in London. It actually started in Belfast beforehand. Um, But I've been running club nights for ages and I always get the best bands down to play and then I'll DJ for a bit as well. So one of my favourite bands is The Magic Gang and they're coming on tour with me to play live in a couple of places in February. On the 20th of February, The Magic Gang, myself and a really, really good support band I'm not going to announce until January are going to play in the Engine Rooms in Southampton. February 21st in Sub 89 in Reading and February 22nd in Dreamland in Margate and I'm just going to have so much fun because Slacker Nights are not just like boring old showcase nights. They're about really getting into the music, losing yourself. If you want to get into a mosh pit, that's fine. If you want to sit back, stroke your beard or metaphorical beard, then you can do that as well. But um, if you want tickets to that, that is February 20th in Southampton, 21st of February in Reading, 22nd of February in Market. Then I will put a link to the tickets below. Right, second half. Blow the whistle. Worst whistle ever. And we're getting back into the Slacker podcast with Bura Massa. Let's talk about um, the record label now. I want to I get into it. You've, you've got like a really safe crew <laughs> of, of people. Like, I don't know whether, like, was that something assembled by you, by you and your management or like... What, did it just happen to be that there was this like <laughs> really creative scene already just there? No, it was just yeah. I'd say mainly it's a collaboration between me and the the management. Yeah. Um, but a lot of these people are just friends of friends or like just people we know through extrapolation, basically. And it's it's never like let's go sniffing around for new music yeah, you're, or like you're not like no. go, going down to gigs with your notepad and you're like <laughs> not really ace card in your hat going i'm gonna make you a star well maybe very occasionally <laughs> like if there's someone proper who we think's proper buzzy or special or just walk uh, up to them go here like i'm gonna give you the keys to the lamp <laughs> <laughs> i got a car for you i got a car for you <laughs> yeah um no, it's not that at all. But I love all of the stuff that you put out. Like I genuinely do. I play a lot of it on the radio, and I just like listen to a lot of it just for fun. Um, like Bonsai and Neo and Tom Trip and Jadu mm-hmm. Hart. Um, it's all just really good music, and you all seem to like work together, collab together, remix Bonsai feature on your records. You mm-hmm. get Jadu Hart. Um, you'll work with them. It kind of feels like you're the. Like you can say whether I'm wrong in this or whatever, but it almost feels like you're the planet and everybody else is like orbiting around <laughs> it a little bit because you're pr- producing for a lot of them. Yeah, so Ponzo said that to me the other day. She said it's like you're the dad, and I was like, I think it feels like that because I'm the, I'm the. Uh, when you're a producer, you are just sort of like a vessel. You're sort of facilitating a lot of other music. But if it feels like I'm the planet and everyone else is orbiting around me, I only think that's because of maybe I, you know, I'm a bit of a B 
bigger name than than those guys right now. But um, but some of them honestly are about, are about to pop off. As that's well. what I mean. Honestly, like next year, not it's not even speaking as like a label head or whatever. I think it's going to be an amazing year for for Bonsai, like for JD Hart. The JD Hart album is going to be very very good. I yeah, think. yeah. Let's talk about the the Grammys. Um, surely that was surreal turning up mm. at the Grammys in LA. It, was this something that you coveted that you wanted to go into, or was this something that sort of uh, is a byproduct that you kind of mm. triply kind of had to go into? I never thought I'd be one of those people who, like, when you're asked about that sort of thing, sits there and goes like, "Oh, you know, I, I'd never thought about it before," and like, <laughs> and just is really aloof about it. Yeah. But honestly, like. Not hadn't thought about it like no it never crossed your mind didn't find out i was nominated until i read it on twitter like um yeah You're it like, was oh my god i have to go to la and i need to buy a suit <laughs> yeah i need to find a friend the suit was the most exciting bit for me because i like clothes and i was just like yeah. oh yes it's an excuse to like buy some really nice clothes <laughs> um it was strange it's very um television you know it's very like it's quite it's quite dry the Grammy ceremony. Yeah, like you, you're not allowed to drink alcohol no. during, during the event. You're all it's, sort of sitting in a theater style, facing the, yeah. the stage. The question by the end of it becomes like, who is this for? Like you just sort of sat there, and it's like, well, there's an ad break every seven minutes, and I'm sat here in silence for two minutes every seven minutes. And James Corden spends most of the time talking to camera and talking about the links at home and, like, for the TV and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the performances, which are brilliant and, like, amazing. But a lot of them center, again, around, like, performing to camera. To camera, yeah. And it's like, there's a stadium full of people sat there, like, we're not even here. We're, like, yeah, a studio exactly. audience. Like, you're getting ignored. Yeah, but there's a pre-Grammys ceremony that isn't televised, and that was a lot more sort of in the room and, like present and like that felt much more ceremonious i guess how do you feel just speaking of sort of general uh annoyances <laughs> um how do you feel being from guernsey and living in london because i'm i'm from a small town um in northern ireland and yesterday i was i just thought this is the most london day ever i, I was Walking into work, I saw one person puke. I saw two guys start a fight. And then when I got into work in the lift, there was a woman whose laptop bag was open and her laptop was hanging out of it with her headphones and stuff. And I tipped her on the shoulder. I was like, um, you might want to close your bag there because your laptop's there. And she just turned around to me and just gave me a death evil. So I was like, yeah, no. Really? Yeah. And I was Ugh. like, fuck London. God. Do you know what it is, though? It's just like people trying to exist you know like in this denser population yeah you have to like detach yourself a little bit otherwise like there's too many people in london for you to care on a human level like you just have to get on with your day otherwise you know nothing would happen in this city it's it's kind of weird it is like an adjustment i, I don't know i find it difficult because like everybody back home is really friendly yeah but everyone knows each other you know yeah. if it if it's like where i'm from and like also there's a big difference in if I'm going out... Well, Alex, how's the music going? <laughs> not even that, but just like, if I'm going out into town to do some errands at home, there's a different sort of mental state that you go out in. It's like, oh, Jesus, I'm going out, like, I'm gonna 
me i'm gonna see someone i know yeah. like, and i need to be prepared for that in london you can walk out the door and walk for five miles alone like you know like yeah, on your own i suppose i never really thought about it that way and it's just like you're there's an anonymity that is different here i think as long as you remember that it's like okay well the woman with the laptop you know she'll get her laptop stolen and i did my and bit. i will laugh not even and I that. Will laugh at her face. <laughs> yeah. But like you did your bit anyway yeah. and it's just like, well, you know, she's if she's being a dick to everyone, it's going to come back to her in a bad way yeah, anyway. That's just the basic concepts of karma. Um I want I just really want to talk about the time you met Kendrick because you you were over recording in in the states mm-hmm. and I love Kendrick Lamar more than I love most solid food. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I just think he's. I just think he's incredible. I think he's the best rapper ever, not just the best rapper of a generation ever. I think so. Like I, I, I for me personally, I wonder if he would, I, if he would I, agree. I, I don't think, I don't think there's anybody that resonates with me more. Okay, that's different from saying he's the best rapper of all time. Yeah, well, he's the best rapper to me. <sighs> okay, okay. Like he's the, your favorite. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> conglomerate of a tribe called Quest would probably just about edge him out in my... See, my head is, like, buzzing with, like, what about Andre 3000? Like, what about MF Doom? Like, you're just going to discount them? Like, But, the, but, the, but there's, the, there's an argument to be had. Yeah, this like, is one of the oldest debates. Yeah, isn't it? It's like, you think... <laughs> yeah. It's two bald men fighting over a comb. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. you're, nobody's really going to win on this one. <laughs> two bald men fighting over a comb. Is that a Northern Irish idiom? Yeah. Two bald men fighting over a comb, sort of. Um, <laughs> sort of. Yeah. So Kendrick Lamar, you how, you bump into him, what happens? He was in the middle of making Damn, like finishing it, I think. And uh, they all sleep in the studio. and you know, Like, what, like overnight? And I think so. I think a lot of them do, like a lot of the producers. Um He's a hard taskmaster, is our Kendrick, isn't he? I mean, that's how you make great anything, not yeah. just art. But um, yeah, I think it was. Uh, I sort of wish I hadn't told this story because it's sort of like is it uh, haunting you? It's like an anticlimax, though, and it sh- it shouldn't be looked at as sort of like some sort of indicator of of who you are. Yeah, it's it was, not like I don't I don't judge you on it. I'm I'm asking you from a a personal level, almost like. What's he like? <laughs> no, <laughs> sorry. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I was just musing on what actually happened because it is kind of mad. Yeah. But he was working in the room basically across the way from me. And um, yeah, one day he just popped his head around the door just like somebody had told him like, oh, there's this guy working in the other room. He's a producer. He'd love to meet you or like mm. uh, he'd love to come in and say hey or something. And then just on his on one of his breaks or something, he just popped his head around the door and was like, what's up, dude? Yeah. Hey, like you making some music? I was like, yep. And then like, hold on to let me sick in my mouth. Yeah. (laughs) Let me just scramble over like a hundred project files to try and find you something to play. Um, did he do that? Like hip hop thing where he gave you his number instead of his email? Like (laughs) send stuff over. He didn't give me his number. No, he didn't. At the end of, well, I'll tell the story. He basically just came in, and I tried to give him daps, but he'd just been to the bathroom and his hands were wet. So he was just oh. like, no, no, my hair's wet. My hair's wet. So he just put his elbow out like that. I don't know if you know about that. I've done the elbow. I do the elbow. That's a pretty advanced, like, when the hands are unavailable. Yeah, when the hands are like, wet, you do the elbow. Bop. If you're in the pub and yeah. somebody's coming back, you're not even giving a fist bump. It's yeah, pure, pure elbow. Yeah. I didn't know that. So this is me learning, you know, with 
Did you, my, fist, did you fist bump his elbow? Yeah, I, no, I like elbow. Oh, he elbowed his elbow. Elbow bumped him. Yeah, it was weird. That could have been really embarrassing. It was, <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah. And then he sat on the couch and he was just like, "You got some music?" And I was like, "Yeah." He said like twenty words the whole time, like it was weird. Um, but it was really nice of him to even do that because he doesn't. The whole thing about that top dog camp is they literally they don't fuck with anybody who isn't like top dog yeah yeah Yeah. or or like james blake you know um so yeah it was really nice of him to entertain that (laughs) they're in that position where they can take people in but aren't it's almost like they're not taking submissions do you know what i mean they really don't if they throw the fish in that out then it's always been that way the worm yeah exactly (laughs) it's always been that way with them and like it's the same if you talk to anybody who like works with them in a label capacity it's just like yeah they do everything in-house and then just tell us like here's what's happening um but yeah it was nice of him to even you know bother to say hey but yeah i played him like three or four yeah literally like not much Does at he all was enough for any of them is he just like yep that's it uh he liked nuggets i played him nugget like oh, right. the original yeah, form yeah. of nuggets and then at the end he was just like yeah what did he say he said let me get the whole folder or something like that something to that right, effect yeah. like just send them all just give me them all just give me all your music and i was like ever made. <laughs> cool nice to meet you like da, da, da. and then i gave him daps because his hand were dry yeah that's incredible weird. i, I <laughs> it wasn't incredible that was what was incredible I, about it everything it was though it is it is incredible like that because i just the idea of kendrick coming in and listening to your beats like he, he this is the probably the most important artist of a generation like yeah that's that's a good moment to have it was cool i would have liked to meet him in a more prepared circumstance <laughs> but i guess it was it's not how life works so yeah it was kind of cool no i um, mean the the morning that he the the dam came out i i stuck it on and started listening to it and there was one track i started listening to more and more i actually can't remember what, what it is and i think oh it's escaping me I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out later um and he'd sampled an artist from my record label on one of the tracks. Oh, really? And I was like, what the fuck? My favorite artist is sampling something that we we put out. Who was it? Rap Boy. It was just a little... Oh, yeah. There's a little Rap Boy it sample. A little yeah, sample yeah. from Rap Boy. And I was like, oh, my God, this is this is insane. And then I realized it was from the EP he actually put out himself on something. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, we put this out and Kendrick sampled it. And then... Nope. No. Nope. Nope. No royalties for you, um, so, finally finishing us up here uh, on this glorious morning. What tips have you got for anybody who's starting out in music? Mm, it's interesting. We sort of like covered some. We covered some bases some already. Stuff. Yeah. Um, One tangible piece of advice: mm. Don't eat yellow snow. Something like that, but for <laughs> the music industry. What What level are we talking about here? Am I talking to someone who's like literally? Talking just to somebody who's energized, and energized enough that they want to make a career. Okay. I'm trying to word it valuably. I think the key to starting, if we're talking about like after you've got music that you believe in and that you think is very good and that is worth people hearing, um, the next thing is to get management that like believes in you and like 
that you get on with as a person, not just like, it's not like having a boss at work where it's like, you know, oh, I don't need to get on with them. They're just working with me or whatever. It's just like, you need to see eye to eye with your manager and they need to really believe in you. I say that's like step one. And like beyond that, just surrounding yourself with people who really care about the project because it's so easy to like, there's so many people who work in the music industry who just like grab everything that they can get their hands on and they don't really care. Um, so just avoid that maybe. Is that is that tangible advice? Perfect. I feel like I've just that's exactly, rambled on about I mean, that's exactly what we were looking for. Thank you very much. I may go back to bed. I'm going to go back to bed. We'll go back to separate beds. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've made it right to the end, then well done you. <laughs> Big ups. Um, it would be amazing if you could rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Uh, it's a free podcast that I, I run this for no penny and no pounds. I mean, we basically wash our face with the, with the um, sponsors and stuff. So yeah, any help that we can get getting the Slack of Podcasts and all these amazing artist stories out there, the better. I hope you all have a really lovely lead up to Christmas. Um, sorry to anybody who's listening to this way after Christmas. They're like, well, don't remind me of fucking Christmas. Um, you're all signed. Lots of love. See you next week for another Slacker podcast. Thank you. We've got a lot of catching up to do. Hi there, everybody. It's lovely to be with you again. Over 100 live games in just six weeks on Sky Sports. Everything still to play for. Scores to sell. Relegation to avoid. Europe up for grabs. And the titles to win. Upgrade to Sky Sports today. 64 Premier League and 37 EFL games on Sky Sports, 17th of June till 26th of July. See sky.ie for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.